Today is Reformation Sunday, and it is, um, it's kind of a major story, and um, Anna and Emma, I don't know if it was intentional, you have red on, right, which is sort of kind of a, a thing. Luther has a red tie, I see that now, I'm sorry, but, and some of us, you know, don't, I don't, I mean, I wear, I have it red, right, so we'll get back to why red, right, but, so the story, though, of Reformation, right? It's Luther and the theses on the door church, right? And we go, yeah, woohoo! And um, Lutherans did that so much uh, for a while that actually, in a few weeks, we have Christ the King Sunday. Christ the King Sunday happens starts by the started by the Roman Catholic Church in about 1920 because too many Lutherans are going, woohoo! Lutherans Reformation, and they just go, <clears throat> Christ the King. <clears throat> So it was a, it's, a, it's a setup there, but it's a story um, that we are, we tell a lot, and we have to know that there are different ways to tell stories, and, and the stories betray our biases and our worldviews, right? So I went to seminary in South Carolina, in Columbia, South Carolina. And there I am, my friends, Brian, you're Yankee at heart. You know, I just, I couldn't help it, right? But my stomach was all Southern, so we all got along because good food. But um, you can't avoid in Columbia, South Carolina, the whole notion of the Civil, the Civil War, right? The Articles of Confederacy are written there in the Baptist Church. The... Um, the first year I was there was a big, major um, march through the streets of Columbia because the Confederate flag is still up on top of the state house. Right? Um, we, if I ever got into conversations, um, not necessarily with my seminary classmates, but other folks um, around, right? It, it was not the it was not the Civil War. Right? It's the War of Northern Aggression. Right? Um, it was not about slavery. It was about states' rights. Um, the, way, the, the way people tell the story sets up a lot for what they sort of think about things already. Um, we, and we see this in the news, right? The way the news stories are told to us are all sort of the same thing, right? Um, if we start talking about health care, was it the Affordable Care Act or was it Obamacare, right? Um, those get set up against one another. Uh, is it, um, are you, are you pro-life or pro-choice? Right? We, we've set that up already. Um, and very often those are set up not to help, uh, I mean, they become labels, right? And, and we wear them as labels, or, we, or we, we lift up the causes, or, and what ends up happening, of course, is not that we win others to our case. We, we generally tend to drive a wedge in there and, and drive people apart, um, because you, you create a, basically a two-pole system. You can go one way or the other. We lose ways of talking about it, right? So, that happens with our talking of the Reformation. 
Martin Luther sees John Tetzel selling indulgences, right, which is the way the Roman Catholic Church basically told people it's okay by your indulgence, by your forgiveness, or forgiveness for others, right? But it even gets to the point where you can buy your own forgiveness. And there's a story at one point where a guy um, buys his forgiveness for an act that he's going to do, which is then, which is basically rob the, the papal sort of carriage that has all the money in it. But he, he's bought his forgiveness and they, okay, yeah, you're forgiven, right? I mean, it's a, it's a crazy um, scenario. I mean, Luther sees this and he realizes it's insane. So he pens the 95 Theses, um, and we have to remember as Lutherans, he's still Catholic at that point. So when we read those, we actually have to read them as a medieval Roman Catholic. He's, he is reading that very much, writing that very much in that vein. He's not a Lutheran yet, so. But um, we say this, we, we tell that story about how he writes those theses, he puts them on the church door, um, the Roman Catholics uh, see that, see how he's sort of messing with the, uh, the uh, income stream, and they kick him out. In fact, the, yeah, the, the, um, the cathedral in Cologne, Germany, which is one of the most beautiful buildings in the world, um, is being built at the time Luther starts his um, uh, tirade against indulgences, and it doesn't get finished for hundreds of years later because he messed up things. And in the intervening years, it ends up that they lost the plans, and then they find them again. And yeah. so, but this is the story we tell, right? So, what does this tell us? I think this this gives us a, a sense of Luther as reformer of the church. But then we begin to talk about the church as the institution, and the re- the Reformation then begins to think about how do we change all of the things in the church because the continued sort of slogan of the Reformation is Semper Ecclesia Reformanda. The church is always reforming. Oh, well, it's the institution. Because that's what we have in our head is the church. There it is. That's the church. We're going to reform it. We're going to change it. We're going to... We miss it, right? We, we, that has already given our, our bias and our, our worldview. The reality is um, the church is not just that. It's a great way for us at oftentimes to put ourselves at a distance from it. You know, uh, my colleagues and I are, are gathering. We, we talk, we do whatever, you know, and then we have some. Did you hear what they're doing up at Higgins Road, the, the church headquarters up in Chicago? We're like, what are they doing? Man, they're really... You know, the church is really screwing things up. We've distanced ourselves. The church now, we, oh, that's the, that's the headquarters up, at, up, at, uh, up in Chicago, right? The ELCA is them, not us. All of this tends to separate us, keep us apart. Um, we, we learn to dissociate ourselves uh, from it very easily. But the whole notion of a continually reforming church is that we, the people, are always being reformed. Hopefully not in the sense of reformed as when you take a a garden peach and you set it on the windowsill in the middle of summer and just let it sit there. 
because that's being reformed too. That's being reformed into a brown blob of goo that's not going to really be worth anything. But when we talk about the church being reformed, we have to talk about the church, us, as a people, as individuals, as the people of God always being reformed. What are we being reformed into? It's always necessary for us to return to the center, to continue to hold up the image of Jesus, right? In the waters of baptism, I can't have, I don't have a font here to point to, um, it is marked on our brow, the, the, the sign of the cross, right? Because it is, it is Jesus to whom we are united. It is Jesus who unites himself to us in the waters of baptism. It is Jesus' image that we are constantly being reformed into. This is, the, this is the red. This is the work of the Spirit seeking to mold us and shape us into the image of Christ. That we might be little Christs to our neighbor. That we might carry that image out into the world. that Christ's story gets wrapped up in our story. Now, how do we do that? There are plenty of Christians who make the case, make the argument, that the way to be a Christian in the world is to basically sequester yourselves, right? Sort of culturally. We only ever read um, Christian books. We only ever see Christian movies, listen to Christian music. Um, we only ever associate with uh, Christian people that we know and uh, like already. But um, that's, that's one argument, to sort of push ourselves off into that, that little enclave, right? And we feel safe, and we do it. But we're not really telling our story. We're walling ourselves off. We don't understand what is going on in the world. We only ever see anything else as threat. That is the presence of sin, right? Sin separates and divides. It, it, it pushes us together or it pushes us apart from others, right? And so here perhaps is an alternate vision that the image of Christ, Christ who is out in the midst of the people. Christ, who is, um, de deals with Jews and Gentiles, he connects with uh, um, women of some sort of questionable past, although it's not entirely sure. Uh, we don't know that for certain. Uh, Christ, who seeks to break down even the barrier of death. His story is one not of doctrines and rules. Doctrine is great and is very important um, insofar as it helps us understand this whole faith thing. 
and what, what it means. Who is Jesus and why does he matter? But then we create rules and we talk about beliefs and they become hard and fast. Um, and then we believe that sort of being a Christian is being able to explicate and the, you know, the doctrine of the Trinity, which doctrine of the Trinity is very important, but it's not about that, right? The life of Christianity is not about being able to recite the, recite the small catechism. Some of you might have had to do that. Maybe not. It's important. But that's not it, because when we talk about the elements of the Reformation, Christ alone, Scripture alone, faith alone, that faith, it's not belief. Beliefs are something you hold and you squeeze. Faith is a posture. Faith is a position for us of trust. And that we know the truth. Truth, not the doctrines. The truth, who is Christ, right? Jesus says, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But elsewhere he says, he identifies himself as truth. I am truth. Truth now is not just an, a, a thing for us to examine and study, but a truth is something for us to be in relationship with. And every time we enter in a relationship, we risk. We risk ourselves because there's always a risk of rejection. But this one is the one where Christ has come to us. The truth has come to us and said, you're mine. And now we are free. Free to engage others. Free to engage them in conversation and relationship and connection, right? Even with the risk that we get rejected, it's okay. Because this truth has a hold of us and will not let us go. And that as we go out, people might see that image of Christ in our life, visible in our words and in our actions and in our deeds, not by whether or not we constantly share the stupid things that say, like, if you want Jesus to bless you, or, you know, if the only things you ever post on social media are Bible, I post Bible verses. Yes, I do, but it's not the only thing, right? Because it doesn't allow people to see who you are. How do we tell our stories so that people see us for who we are and begin to understand that the life of faith is something that is intrinsic to us, that we reflect the light and love of Christ to others, right? At the same time, when we go out, we're not just dealing with other Christians, but we begin to deal with others, that we understand that God is working in their life too. We're not, we're not exclusionary people. God is not exclusionary. God is at work in the world, and we understand how Christ has come to us to serve all. There is a story for us to tell. It is our story, but our story should be intimately wrapped up with the story of Jesus. And it's not easy for us to sort of just put a label on it or who we are, 
but we understand that God is constantly at work in us, transforming us, reforming us to continually show that forth. Thanks be to God. Amen.